Welcome to Extraordinary People, the podcast that highlights people who inspire others, have made significant contributions to the world, or who have overcome adversity. This show is hosted by Shirley Bogtel, author, educator, wife, mother, and grandparent. Learn more and subscribe today at ShirleyWachtel.com. And now, here's my grandma, Shirley Wachtel. Welcome, everyone, to Extraordinary People. Today, we have Mark Corpus. Having had a fascination with maps since youth, he took up the creation of them as an occupation at age 42. He found that map making is now one facet of the discipline of geographic information systems, or GIS, which marries cartography with databases and statistics and is performed on a computer rather than a drafting board. Until his recent retirement, Mark was a GIS analyst for a nationwide engineering firm, helping engineers and scientists in such endeavors as planning freight railways in New Jersey, monitoring the fish species in New York Bay, and routing power from Quebec to New York City. So um, welcome, Mark. I'm so excited to have you here today. And I'm pleased to be here as well. Sounds like you have a very interesting podcast series. I am going to subscribe to it. Well, there you go. I hope so. (laughs) Um, Mark, um, uh, I know you are a uh, my brother's uh, best friend. So we've really known each other for years. I think you were an attorney before uh, getting into this last endeavor. Is that correct? Uh, Yep. I was an attorney for about 20 years practicing uh, some very recondite corporate law and uh, had enough of that and decided, uh, as you say, at the age at the age of 40 or so, uh, to quit that and to go back to what had always been my first love, which was cartography. Uh, okay. So but- how how is it, um, you know, that someone has a love of cartography because it's not, I mean, I've heard of art and I've heard of music and like that, but um, speaking as someone who, uh, whose favorite subject was not math, nor was it geography. um, I just don't have a head for that. And I think that's probably why I really wanted to speak with you. What makes this subject so fascinating for you? And for a lot of other people too, I, I I would I want to amend your question, you know, if you don't mind, because one thing I continually hear from people is maps. I love maps, you know. There, it's it that's sort of their first reaction on hearing what I do, and I often get a kind of envy response. Oh, I'd like to make maps all day, uh, and I I think in, in their case and mine. Uh, it's the engagement of both the left and the right side of the brain at once. So you have you have the visual element of the map and its storytelling capacity because every good map tells a story. And then you have the informational organizational aspect of the map. You know whether whether it's a street map for finding your way someplace or whether it's to get technical, a choropleth map, 
you know, showing uh, the uh, relative uh, income levels in different states using different shades of blue, or whether it's a uh, a, a, a map visualizing uh, space exploration, uh, you're packing a lot of data, hopefully, uh, into a visual context that also has its artistic element. So it's so it's everything at once in terms of presentation, and I think that accounts for the fascination I've always had with it. I I, I was drawing election maps of the 1964 election at the age mm -hmm. of eight. Uh, wow. and, and then I, then I had to give it up and make money as a lawyer, but I was really pleased to get back to it, especially in the context of engineering and using maps to actually, you know, accomplish something rather than just entertain myself. In, in your bio, um, it says that, um, you marry cartography with databases and statistics, but cartography has been around for a very long time. Can you give us a little bit of the history of that? So I think the archaeologists are telling us they've, they've found what they think are maps going back thousands of years. So, uh, so clearly, the maybe even earlier than the use of text. Uh, I'm not an expert on that, so don't quote me. Mm -hmm. Uh, but if so, if that's true, it wouldn't surprise me um, because the, the basic concept of, uh, of a representation of space uh, on, as, as a visual arrangement of initially lines seems to me a pretty natural one. Um, as natural as drawing the outlines of animals and so forth that 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 early you know prehistoric sites have shown, uh, and the development of it is so obviously you know economically useful that it makes sense that that the, the process has been refined over the centuries. I mean, you know the the you know probably the biggest uh, advance uh, that underlies everything else is the notion of scale, right? Uh, the the concept that the size of elements on the map surface uh, can be strictly related to the size of elements on the Earth, uh, and that you know typically represented by that bar scale that you see at the bottom of a well-made map, usually not a, a Google. Uh, a Google map. You don't, you don't normally see a bar scale. It's a terrible fault in, the, in that presentation. <laughs> uh, but you should, but you know, which tells you that the scale is one inch to a mile or whatever the chosen scale is. Uh, and the other, the other big uh, advance, I would think, is the concept of projection, in which you know the map maker mathematically relate mathematically solves the ultimately not never perfectly solvable problem of taking the three-dimensional surface of the earth and plotting it onto a two-dimensional piece of paper or a two-dimensional computer screen. Uh, and that you, you can get around that problem by using globes and three-dimensional models, but you really don't want to. You, you want the handiness of the two-dimensional map. 
put those two things together, add the wonderful history of cartographic conventions um, that, that, that different colors are typically taken to mean different things, uh, different kinds of typography, the addition of text, uh, and then into the current era uh, of the clickable map, uh, the interactive map, mm-hmm. uh, where the uh, where the the, u- the user finds a location on the map surface, and then uses that to pull in, in another phase uh, text information, graphs, or other maps, uh, or or presumably the next stage will be communicates with artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Put put all that together. Uh, and you have you. I think you have a pretty good line from the earliest maps to the current ones. It seems like um, maps, like everything else in society, have evolved a great deal. You know, from the beginnings when you know man thought the the earth was flat, and then everything changed. You know, um, and and certainly there they continue to evolve. Um, you you mentioned databases and statistics, and uh, in what way? And I know you have a a, a big answer for this. Has um, have those uh, two factors impacted the way we look at cartography today? When I um, was like in my teens and thinking of going into map making. It, it meant in those, it still meant in those days, sitting at a drafting board, you know, leaning, o- leaning over a sheet of paper and getting ink all over you. Uh, <laughs> and I, it, that didn't seem terribly attractive. That part of things didn't seem very attractive. By the time I actually did get into it in my 40s, so this was uh, this was around the turn of the millennium, you know, around the mm-hmm. year 2000, uh, map making had evolved into an aspect of information technology. Uh, and it must be said that the inf- information technology component is probably the dominant one. Hmm. Uh, what, what happened was that it was realized that the, uh, the database that you know, collection of data in an ordered way, which we're all familiar with, and we all we all use and interact with continually these days. For example, anytime we order something from Amazon, we're accessing Amazon's database. Uh, that th- it was realized that the database could power a map being continually created from its information. That that, for example, you could you could have a database of cities. Right. And all you had to do with, with all kinds of information about each city in a table form, you know, so you could ha- you would you would have a name column and then uh, and then information about the city population, average income, et cetera, in a whole series of other columns. All you had to do was add two more columns, one for latitude and one for longitude. And now you can draw a map of all of those cities. Mm. And and color that map, right, uh, in such a way as to uh, as to indicate, shall we say, the different populations, or use or use size symbols and so forth. And 
with you know with that concept, map making became geographic information systems or GIS, as uh, as practitioners like to refer to it, and a whole field of information technology opened. That really started in the 80s, and it was already well along by by the year 2000. Of course, it's continued to advance ever since. You know, you mentioned that, you know, you were in your 40s when you made the transition, and this is, uh, you know, a whole different occupation. How were you able to make that leap to actually getting paid for um, a passion of yours? Yeah, it was pretty amazing that I could. I did have to take a pay cut. That's usually the case, I, right? That was, was pretty dramatic at first. Uh, what I, what I actually looked into the possibility of going into a geographic information systems graduate program, but I decided that a better way and a quicker way would be to take a second bachelor's degree in in uh, in, in computer science. Uh, and along the way to take coursework in cartography. So I combined those things. Uh, so I actually, I actually have that computer science degree. Uh, and what it enabled me to do was to get all the insight I needed into the technical basis for the new geographic information systems. And then the, the cartography part, uh, I learned from from courses in cartography, and all this was done at Rutgers, New Brunswick. Mm -hmm. uh, my first job um, after I completed that um, was at a regional environmental organization um, making maps and creating databases illustrating environmental issues. Uh, and I went from there into engineering, um, which has been was the most fun um, because there were there are so many different types of engineers and they all need maps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was one of the most, let's say, fun projects for you to work on? So I, I happen to be sort of revisiting in my head lately the work that I did on the on the ocean wind power project, um, which is um, planting wind turbines um, off the New Jersey coast and will provide a large part of the state's power when it is up on running. Uh, this is this, this is for a Danish company called Ersted. Uh, and it, the, the task there was to uh, get the environmental approval, which just came through. Uh, in order to do that, an immense amount of different kinds of data had to be collected. And I love that data collection part of the process. Uh, it, it means, it can mean researching a lot of material on the web, but it could also mean, uh, uh, talking to people in different government agencies. Uh, pulling in data in different formats uh, and reducing it all to a form that could be mapped. And I, I just love the idea that, that the maps that would accompany the uh, environmental review assessment uh, 
um, we're going to illustrate and give an answer to almost any kind of environmental question that anybody could be asking about the project. The, the, the effect on animal life, the effect on the sea bottom, um, the visual element, which is so controversial. How much, how much of those wind turbines will, will actually be viewable from the beach? Mm, sure. Okay. <laughs> Where will the power lines go as they come on shore? And um, how much will they affect or will they affect at all uh, the areas that they run through? Um, until they could get to a, a power substation where they can be, uh, uh, where the power from the turbines can be um, placed into the electric grid. Um, what will what will happen to the air, the water, uh, to recreational boating, to fishing? Uh, the, the immense variety of this is part of what fascinates me, uh, mm. and. There's, there is a, a nice feeling of accomplishment when it's all in a book form. Of course, the environmental engineers and scientists have something to do with this as well. Mm -hmm, but I, but sure. I, I, always, I always hold that the maps are the heart of the book. Uh, there you go. <laughs> okay. Of course they are. So um, I know you've recently retired from this field, and I know, of course, you're always going to continue have an in, having an interest in it. Do you see... You know, with all the new things coming up, do you see any potential hurdles for the cartography uh, industry, so to speak, that that might concern you? Well, uh, there, there, there's a movement. I don't, I don't know whether I would call this a a, a concern. Um, but I'll, I'll say, that, you know, there, there's a movement toward putting maps, or putting the, the map making ability into the hands of untrained users, right? Um, and that that's gone a certain way, and it's a certain distance, and it's clearly going to go further, right? The distance has gone so far. Um, you, you can see an operation in a in a uh, not at all frightening way uh, in something like Google Maps, where um, users, um, you know, simply simple subscribers uh, are given the opportunity to place information into the map interface. They add a restaurant review, for example, right? And that, that then becomes part of the database and part of oh. the items that are displayed in the map, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a very simple example of what's happening and what are what is inevitably going to happen more right mm -hmm. um some some of the um some of the the apps that uh give uh traffic direction um take data directly from users uh and incorporate that directly into the map as displayed and off, usually there's 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 a a, 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 a responsible person um, mediating that, um, but you you can you can easily visualize how that kind of addition, editing, maybe subtraction of data from the map interface um, could be done without mediation simply because it's too expensive. 
you know, this in in a sense, uh, this is you know what's already happened on some social media, right? right like right. Twitter. Um, there's also an opening for it to happen uh, in the cartography space, mm. uh, and we we'll ju- we'll just have to we we'll just have to see how that develops. But you know, the big but there is that we the very possibility of doing that is an indication that map making power may now be you know shared by the multitudes right maybe part maybe part of ordinary business activities uh and there's just an immense possibility for you know economic development and growth arising from that so so you have this you, ha- you have this power and you have the possibility of you know bad things arising from that power isn't that always the case really Hmm. right with everything yeah um so you this is really a lead in to my next question then um what do you see coming up for the future of your profession um that really excites you or that kind of charts may chart literally and figuratively new territory you know, it, it it's it's so obvious that. Uh, well, let, let me let me before I get into sort of the big picture thing, let me get into one little picture thing, which I think is really fascinating, which is that geographic information systems is now being applied to the human body, right? I mean, in theory, anything spatial uh, can be mapped, right, uh, and that that map can convey information and it could be linked with a database. Uh, and so why not do that with the human brain? Well, that is happening, right? Geographic information, I mean, adaptations of geographic information software are being used for that and are, as I understand it, you know, this is, uh, this is just what I read in the, uh, in the literature of the field, right? Uh, are contributing to advances in medicine and physiology, uh, which is which is kind of tremendously gratifying. Uh, and you know, anything that can be thought of in a spatial way can also receive this treatment. Uh, you know, the bit the big picture thing, of course, is that you know GIS was born, geographic information systems as a field was born because of the uh, the growth in uh, computer power, you know, begin, beginning, which finally got to the point in the 70s and 80s when it became feasible to uh, to deploy uh, maps using computers, and has only grown since exponentially, of course, right? And that and that it, it you know it's it, it's it's the same phenomenon that we see in all sorts of ways in our lives today. It's, it's that exponential growth that, uh, that creates the power, which then drives, has driven the field forward and is now driving it well into the concept of interactive maps, right? Maps which the user um, partly directs, right? Instead of just passively receiving a sheet of paper or, or turning to it in an atlas, the traditional way of consulting a map, 
you now have the map drawer itself to your specifications, right? And clearly, you know, as uh, as computers get still more powerful and as methodologies um, methodologies are developed to exploit that power, that's going to get bigger and bigger. Uh, and um, the addition of artificial intelligence obviously creates a whole new dimension to that, mm. right? You, right? You, you ask AI, in, oh. instead of giving instructions to make a map, you now ask AI right. to make a map for you or to give the instructions to make a map for you. So now you've added yet another element of power. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know where this is all going to end up. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> anything else. I mean, in so many fields, you know, in, as a, you know, in the field of teaching, certainly I see the implications uh, with AI and, and some things, you know, it sounds like in, in your field, you know, we're on the cusp of some new and exciting things happening. But with it, you know, we have those drawbacks that we we have to kind of safeguard against. But um, right. it really is a a, a fascinating <laughs> a fascinating field, and um, I thank you for explaining it so patiently for those of us who are kind of novices when it comes to this, other than yelling at our GPS when we get lost or something like that. <laughs> but um, thank you so much. It was wonderful speaking with you. And um, I wish you the best of luck. We'll see what happens in the field of cartography. Thank you. Thank you very much, Shirley. And it was a fun interview. Thanks for listening to this episode of Extraordinary People. To learn more about Shirley Wachtel and to subscribe to the show, head to ShirleyWachtel.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on Extraordinary People. Extraordinary People.